we've been in a series called Start Over, and we are wrapping that up. So we started several weeks ago and talked about grace and just the foundation of the ability for us to start over as believers. Uh, and so this series focuses heavily on relationships. Uh, but if we don't understand our uh, relationship with God and what he's done for us and the grace that he has, is, and will continue to extend to you and I, how can we extend grace to others, right? So we have to understand our need for grace in order for us to extend grace in our relationships. So um, the big idea there was we suffer from GTS, grace too small, right? We, um, we just do not live and operate in our relationships and even towards ourselves in the reality of God's grace for us and letting that form our marriage, our relationships, and all the things that we do. And so we've talked about reconciliation, and we talked about uh, our response in terms of reconciliation as the church, right, and our need to start over and, and removing barriers uh, with our community, things that would prevent people from accepting and following and putting their faith in Jesus. Uh, so we talked about that. Last week, Chad talked about fervent prayer. And, um, and today I'm going to follow up on that and continue kind of talking about what happens when we pray, the result of prayer. And so uh, at that, let's go into prayer this morning. So Lord, God, we thank you that you are here, that you are with us, that you are an ever-present help, God, that regardless of what we bring this morning, regardless of where we find our heart, our mind, our thoughts, Lord, you are here and present. So Lord, I pray that your word would be life, Lord, that we would hang on your words, Lord, that it wouldn't be just, just another routine, Lord, of us going to church and, and listening and then going off and today watching the Super Bowl, as fun, that's going to be, as, fun as that's going to be, Lord, I, I pray that we would find ourselves loving your words and cherishing your words, not my words, but your words and, and your desires for us, Lord. I pray that we would be a people and a church and a community, Lord, that is fashioned and formed and shaped by who you are and what you desire for us. So, Lord, I pray that you would give me your wisdom, your ways, and your words this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, um, I pastored in Galveston, Galveston, Texas, um, several years ago. And if you've been around here um, much, I've referred to Celebrate Recovery a couple times. We hosted Celebrate Recovery in Galveston. And I was a CR pastor, and I, I absolutely loved it. And uh, have a heart for people who are just recognizing their stuff, right? And we all have our stuff, right? We all have our stuff, all of us. And, uh, and so there was this guy, I'm going to call him T. If I slip and say his name, just forgive me, okay? I'm going to call him T. T was a guy that, um, that um, hit bottom. He had a very well-known um, position in Galveston. Um, people knew T very well. He had a lot of influence. He knew he hung out with city leaders. Um, he made a lot of money. Uh, he was just, he was a good guy. And then some events hit his life all of a sudden. And everything that he found important was taken away from him. His job, relationships, his status in the community, 
money was taken from him. His car was taken from him. Literally everything overnight was removed from T's life. So T showed up at Celebrate Recovery, a broken man. And it's all he could do was just to show up for several weeks. And T would just cry and cry and cry and cry. And so, so I immediately connected with T and um, said, hey, let's, let's go do coffee. Let's do breakfast. So I, I started this weekly meeting with T. And, um, and T um, found a spot in the back corner. And he specifically chose a restaurant in town where he didn't think he would see anyone he knew. He chose a spot in the back of the restaurant where no one would see him back turned to the restaurant. He wouldn't turn his head while we were meeting. Much of his bunch of our breakfast was like this. Barely eating, sobbing. And T um, began to live very quickly in the realm of impossibility. He didn't understand what God was doing in his life. As many of us, we look at the natural and our perspective and the visible at what's going on. And as hard as things are, sometimes T was choosing to live in that realm. As I have done and as you have done. And my job was to help him look up. That was my job. And so in, in the course of our conversations, um, it basically went like this. Uh, I've lost everything, Chad, and I, man, I'm so glad that I've got your friendship because I can't even imagine having friends again. Like, it seems impossible that I would ever have a job. It seems impossible that I would have a future. It seems impossible that I would really be able to start over because I'm done. My life is over. T was even looking at possible prison time. So the future as he knew it, he was done. He was done. And so I specifically would build T up and pray with him and encourage him and say things like, uh, T, um, what is impossible with you is possible with God. Regardless of where you end up tomorrow, regardless of your sentencing, regardless of what you have, regardless of what you lose, regardless of who's in your life, God gives you the ability to start over. I didn't use those words, but that's what I was saying. What you think is impossible, man, let me tell you. Let me tell you, when you've tasted the Lord like I have and seen what is possible that he can do in your life, he changes everything. And so I would tell him every week without fail, Todd, you are in a good place. Tell that to someone whose life has been completely turned upside down. T, you are in a good place. And he would look at me and he'd say, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. I'm thankful for your perspective. And I'm going to write on that perspective. But I do not see it. See, we, um, <clears throat> the reality is, 
guys, everyone in this room, okay, everyone who lives on this earth lives in a spiritual battle. It's an unseen battle that goes on. And just as uh, we all have plans for our life and hopes and aspirations and the ability to be able to live a life like Todd had many times, um, things happen in life, right? Things happen in life because there's an enemy who's out for you and for me. Ephesians 6, 12 says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Right? So you and I were created for relationship with God. Sin entered the world, fractured that. Right? It, 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 it limited our uh, ability to walk in relationship but Jesus came, provided a way for that. But the reality is, even if, whether you're an unbeliever or a believer, whether you've walked with God for one day or 80 years, the reality is you and I live in a world where the enemy wants to take you out. That's the reality. John 10.10 says the thief's purpose is to still kill and destroy. Still kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Other versions say an abundant life. A life to the full. An abundant life. See, the enemy has a purpose for you and nothing is off limits. Nothing is off limits. He does not play nice. He doesn't play pretty. There's not rules on the table. He will remove everything from your life, your marriage, your relationships with friends, um, your kids, uh, your coworkers, everything that he can kind of twist in your side and kind of poke you and rob you and completely, utterly destroy you with. The enemy, that's his plan. Okay? But I, what I want to do today is I want to build up your faith. I want to speak life into you because I don't think I am any different in the fact that it's easy to live in this level of just acceptance. Right? That we're in a battle and, and the enemy's after me and he's always coming after my marriage and so I'm going to settle in my marriage. The, the enemy's always coming after me so there's just certain things in my relationships and, and things are the way that they are with my kids or, uh, or my family or, 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 or former friends. or it, it is the way it is so I'm just going to kind of hang on and ride this thing out, right? Because I can't imagine a better life. But let me just tell you, just as the enemy has a plan for you, God does too. God has a plan that supersedes anything the enemy can throw at you. See, the enemy has a plan to destroy you, but God has a plan for you, and that's life. And it involves him. John 10.10, 10, the thief the thief's purpose, he comes to still kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have a rich and satisfying life, an abundant life. God has come so you can have an abundant life. Your, your relationships can have an abundant life. Your marriage can have an abundant life. 
all the things that you have bought into and that I continually buy, buy into. Let me just say that, that God has come so, you, so we don't have to live the norm. I really believe that. So let me, just, um, let me just encourage you this morning to begin speaking into your life, into your marriage, into your relationships. The New Testament mentions, uh, I think it's in Romans, Abraham. Uh, and, and it talks about him and the, the fact that Abraham spoke over things that were, right? He called the things that weren't as though they were. Right? The things that he couldn't see, he, he called them down and spoke life over those things. So, question today, are you speaking life over your life? Are you speaking God's reality in your reality? Are you speaking God's life in your marriage? Are you speaking God's abundant life in your relationships? Are you speaking God's life over your finances? Are you speaking God's life over all of the, over your health and all of the other things that you and I face in this life? To speak life. So this morning, I'm going to give you, I'm going to present three word pictures uh, that I want you to think of this morning. It's this idea of a, uh, a picture, a mirror, and a window. Okay, so here's what this means. As I go through this morning, uh, I'm going to ask you to hear the information that I'm sharing and evaluate it, right? Like you do art, okay? You're, look, you're examining a picture. Then I want you to take the information and look in a mirror and apply it to your life. How is this applying to me? And then I want to ask you to take this information and look out the window of the world around you and say, how can I live with this affecting the people that I rub shoulders with every day, Okay? So here's the picture. Here's what I want, want you to examine. God wants to be present in the details of your life. God wants to be present, engaged, active in every detail of your life, including your relationships, all relationships. He wants to be present. Philippians 4, 6, 7 says, and Chad read this, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, Pick it up here this week again. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. He will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So is God present in the details of your life. Is God present in the details of your life? I want you to think about the word home, okay? What does that mean to you when you think of the word home? Um, for me, I think about um, my marriage, my kids, upbringing, um, my upbringing, uh, bringing up my kids as well. I think about uh, the things that are important to me, right? The things that are precious, that, the things that are precious to me. Um, perhaps you're thinking some of those things. Um, perhaps you, it's this feeling of joy that you get when you think about home. Um, maybe it's this just um, this sense of belonging when you think about home. Um, a place of good memories. Uh, it's a place where uh, details are discussed, right, in life. Uh, choices are made where you're going to go to school. Right? Heavily influenced by home. 
hopefully for you, it's been a place of laughter. Um, where love ex- is expressed. It's a place that's close to the heart. It's very important to us, this idea of home. It's a place of, of joy. But not always is it a place of joy, right? It can be a place of difficulty and challenge, pain, bad news. It can be a place for many of bad memories and perhaps even bad choices. It's a place where, um, of retreat where we can process both the good and difficulty of life. So, today I'm going to challenge you in bringing God present into the details of your life, into your home, into your marriage, because God has a plan for all of those things. And so here's the mirror statement. Take your thoughts about your home and ask this. Do I bring God into the conversation about these things, or is God on the sidelines? Okay, so in the details of my life, do I, the things that that are really the most important and precious things to us? Do I bring God into these things? Or is God kind of sidelined to Sundays and small group and all of these other things? Is he peripheral? Or is God prominent? Is he very much in the mix of my life and my home, my relationships? Through the ups and downs, is God involved in the details? So, um, peace is visible, as we just read, okay? Uh, what happens when we pray, then the peace of God, okay? So we, we go to him, we thank him, we pray to him, we, we make our request known to him, then the peace of God comes. And so peace is the visible fruit from a life rooted in prayer. Peace is the visible fruit from a life rooted in prayer. Peace is available in the midst of fear and doubt and worry and uncertainty and health issues and brokenness and relationships. Peace is the visible fruit of a life rooted in prayer. A life without prayer produces anything but peace, right? You might have experienced this. I have and I continue, right? Uh, This week, I, I told you that I was in Augusta. Uh, I'm frustrated that our house hasn't sold. I am. And if I'm not praying about that, I will become, I'll have anxiety, right? I'll have the opposite of peace. If I'm not going to God in the details of my life, I will have the opposite of peace. So if we don't have peace, what, do, what is our tendency to do? We look for it in other things. If we don't have peace, we look for it in other things. Even the house. I feel like it's, like it's, it's up to me. And so I've got to make this thing happen and, and all of these things. But whenever I just go to prayer, God just does something, right? If I don't have peace, if you don't have peace, we look for it in our own efforts, in our own feelings. Okay? So it's no news that we all have feelings. And there are Ways that you and I live by our feelings, right? So uh, we've all said, I don't feel like it, right? I don't want to. Uh, You don't know what I'm going through. I'm overwhelmed. I'm confused. Uh, I'm not in the mood for, right? 
right? We, we live by our feelings. But what happens when we take these things to God in prayer? The peace of God that passes understanding comes and puts up a guard over our heart and our minds in the details of our life. The reality is you and I cannot let our emotions dictate our lives. Our emotions can change at the drop of a hat. Can you, can you imagine if you based your marriage upon whether or not you liked each other? Right? Wouldn't be so good a lot of times. Right? Especially for my wife. So we can't, um, we can't determine, we can't live our life dictated by our emotions. The reality is there's a, there's a book called 40 Days of Purpose. And you might have read it by Rick Warren. It came out several, days, several years ago. The opening phrase says this, life is not about you. A lot of impact in that book. It's really good, but that's the phrase that stuck with me. Life is not about you. Right? But how easy is it to make it about us, to get caught up in the details of life? And this is very important, that life is not about us. Because if I don't understand this, I will live dictated by a feelings filter, which will influence decisions and relationships based upon preference, likes and dislikes, and what is ultimately going to make me feel happy. If I don't understand that life is not about me. Right, Jesus modeled this. He said, not my will, but yours. Even in the most excruciating moment of his life, right? Right before he died, right before he was arrested, not my will. Not, not my will, but yours. Not my feelings, not how I want, not the things that I want. Like, I, I, wish, I wish this would change, God, but, but ultimately I surrender to you because I know you will bring peace that supersedes these circumstances that will guard my heart and my mind so earlier i said god wants to be present in the details of your life god wants to be visible in the details of your life god wants to be visible in your marriage he wants to be visible in your relationships there's no better way for god to be visible right than to Go to him in those moments of pain and suffering and doubt to see that visible peace come on, right? In those moments where you think, man, I just don't know how we're going to get through this as a married couple. I don't, I don't see how we can possibly get through this. But God wants to be visible. He wants to come in and guard your heart and your mind. He wants to be visible in the details of your life. So here's the window statement. God desires that your life be a visible expression of his glory. Okay? Marriage isn't just for you. Your relationships isn't just for you. God wants to use those things to demonstrate his glory and his love and his grace to other people that are around you. God desires that your life be a visible expression of his glory. I didn't say God looks good when you look good. Right? Um, God has looked best in my life when Chad did not. God is more glorified in our, our, in our marriage and us as a couple because there are moments where we didn't and God kind of broke in. 
And God is now visible because it is about him. God looks best when we put him in position to get the glory. So if I think his goodness depends on me, I will try to always look good. And when I don't, I will feel disqualified, right? So if I'm not going into him in prayer, and if I'm not dependent on him to show up in my life, my relationships, my marriage, I will, I will, I will be inclined to disqualify myself because I will think I'm not good enough. Everything is stripped from me. I'm just going to live in this realm of impossibility. Yes, God, I know you say all things are possible, but hindsight would tell me this is kind of where things are going to stay. And I'm just going to, I'm going to pray that way. I'm going to believe that way. I'm going to talk that way. I'm going to operate that way. God, you're good, but I'm just going to hunker down. I'm going to hang on and wait for you to come, right? Our humanity causes us to pre-qualify God's ability to bring the possibility into the present. Our humanity, you and my humanity, causes us many times to pre-qualify God's ability to bring the possibility, his possibility into my present. You know, uh, I was thinking this this week, and I just felt like the Holy Spirit told me um, a couple days ago, That many times, I don't live in the reality of the impossible because I live dependent thinking it's on me. It's up to me. It's hard for me to live calling those things that aren't as though they are, exercising my faith and speaking that into my life right now because I have this ability to think it's up to me at the end of the day. But with God, all things are possible. Matthew 19, 26. Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. Say that with me. Everything is possible. Everything is possible. Everything. Regardless of where you find yourself today, regardless of what's going on this, this, this week, regardless of what's going on in your life, you might be frustrated at this stinking series since we started it because you're like, it's still not changing. Right? We're still doing the same old things. I still don't see beyond um, it, it, what I walked in at the beginning of the year. I had all this excitement. Here's the reality. Nothing has changed. Let me just tell you, with God, all things are possible. Regardless of how you feel, regardless of what you see, regardless of what you don't see, all things are possible. And are we, are we, are we buying into the reality of the present and what we see because at the end of the day we really think it's up to us? Or are we speaking into reality, God's reality? Are we calling, are we exercising our faith with our words and saying, you know what God, I don't see this, but I'm going to speak life over my marriage. I'm going to speak life over my relationships. I'm going to speak life over my finances. God, I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill, but you do. And so I speak that into existence. God, you are unlimited, right? I know what my check, paycheck is going to say at the end of the week, but God, you are unlimited. You can change anything that you want, right? I know that we've had 20, 30 years of history in our marriage and 
we are just stuck. But God, I'm going to start speaking life over our marriage, that our marriage is going to thrive, and we are going to put you in the center, and you will be glorified. You will take what's broken, you will take what's unseen, and you will make it visible because you will be the center of it. But with God, all things are possible. Hopeless marriage, all things are possible. Bad news, all things are possible. Feeling like you can't finish school, right? You're just kind of stuck in that home stretch. All things are possible. Out of work, all things are possible. And experiencing brokenness in your relationships with your kids, all things are possible. Prayer produces possibility. Not probability. Possibility. With God, all things are possible. Maybe you are living in the impossibility. Let me just tell you, God loves using our difficulty for his good. That's who he is. We sang about it this morning. You are good. You are good. You're never going to let me down. In life, yes, we will be let down. Circumstances will happen. But God is is good. Um, back to T. He said, Chad, I'm going to hang on to what you believe because I don't see it. I just don't see it. T, you are in a good place. Man, I just don't see it. Week in, week out. Man, I just don't see it. And T started dealing with the root of some things. And started covering his life in prayer. Literally started praying. Um, started leaning into God for the impossible. And T started living in the goodness of God's reality. Even regardless of prison time. All these things taken away. It's, it's like it just kind of broke into his perspective. Where he could see God's possibility. Regardless of externals. Right? Fast forward about. Two years, probably. I'm, uh, Desi and I had a cleaning company on the side in Galveston, and I was cleaning a house one day, and T called me. He said, hey, man, um, what are you doing? I said, I'm cleaning a house. He said, are you going to be at your house? And I said, yeah. And um, he said, is your wife going to be there? I said, yeah, she'll be there. He said, well, I'll meet you there in like 15 minutes. So all the while, there's about two years worth of history watching walk through this his countenance changing his his um his faith in god increasing right not living circumstantially but seeing god in the midst of all the stuff and he came over he came over to the house he handed me a card just bawling like a baby he said man you were right two years ago i would have never dreamt it he was saying what he was saying was Man, with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. I thought you had lost your mind, Chad. Seriously, I thought you drank the Kool-Aid. And I'm like, all right, you know, Chad, whatever. You know, he calls himself a pastor, so I'm just going to kind of believe him, right? But Todd experienced the impossibility, the possibility breaking into our impossibility. Was, were things continuing, uh, would things continue to be tough? Yeah, Absolutely. He didn't do prison time. Some truth came out for some things that he really didn't do. Um, there were some consequences for some things that he did do. 
but um, the most severe part of what he was accused of, he didn't do. He's still without work today. Um, he still battles loneliness and things today. But yet he has lived seeing the possibility of God. That with God, nothing, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Matthew 11 says he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So are you seeking him in the details of your life? Are you inviting him into your home and your marriage and your relationships and your work and all those areas that are frustrating because you're thinking of them right now, okay? You might even be a little ticked off in a sermon like this because you're thinking, man, whatever, dude. <laughs> you know, you don't know my life. You don't know how many times I've done this. You don't know how many times I've prayed. Are you seeking him? Are you seeking him? Are you leaning into him? Or are you living with a posture, God, what are you going to do for me? When will you finally come through? Are you seeking God in the midst of all of that stuff? In the middle of the pain? In the middle of the frustration? In the middle of the brokenness? Are you believing God, his possibility to break in regardless of your circumstances? Yeah, that's what he desires to do.